Couple Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempt from registration requirements. I wish that our stock market were as honest as every casino I go into. The gambling propensity is strong in people to do mathematically unintelligent things. Welcome to Libel on Fire with Libel Sternbach, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams as fast as possible with as little stress as possible. Libel Sternbach is the author of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity. Libel's advice has been featured in countless publications, including Reader's Digest, USA Today, Yahoo Finance, CNN Business, Investment News, and and Market Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Libel on Fire. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Libel on Fire. I'm Freddie Bell, and I'm with Libel Sternbach. He's Amazon's best-selling author of not one, but two books. The first one is Living with Financial Anxiety, and the second is Authenticity. Libel, hello, and welcome back, sir. Hey, how are you doing? Unbelievable. Glad you're with us. And I know that we we get a lot of response to your programs. And this week, we want to talk about the 4% rule. And quite honestly, Libel, I have no idea what the 4% rule is. Can you help me? Well, you're not alone because it seems like even the people who seem to think that they know what the 4% rule is, um, once they start talking, you kind of realize that everyone has a different impression of what the 4% rule is. And when you start actually digging into it, you discover that it isn't quite what anybody thinks it is. So let's talk about what, you know, when people think about the 4% rule, uh, we'll talk about what that is, and then we'll dive into the details. With the 4% rule, right, in, in, in colloquial speak, right, what we like think about what the media talks about when you say 4%, it's, oh, I can retire. And if I only took 4% of my portfolio every single year, I would never run out of money in retirement. That is the idea that people have in their mind. Now, where this came from, right? Where did this idea come from that there's some magical number that if you only took that much from your portfolio and no more, you wouldn't run out of money in retirement. That's a, you know, that's a separate question and we'll talk about that, but that that is, you know, people have latched onto that from different studies and when you start diving into it, you might start to question whether it's something you actually want to uh rely on. Interesting everybody we're talking with Libel Sternbach this on this particular episode of Libel on Fire and I just asked about the 4% rule. So why is that important? You said this is the, a, a way of structuring our money in retirement. Why is that important to someone right now who says, I think I've got enough money to retire on which we can retire? Well, the basis of the decision of how much money do you actually need to retire, right? How do you answer that question? Um, a lot of people turn to these things like the 4% rule to try to gauge and you know have a crystal ball of the future, because that's really what we're trying to do is we're trying to look into the future and predict what's going to happen next, right? And we both know, right, you can't predict the future. So then we start looking in the past and we go, okay, well, historically things have happened. So if historically things continue to happen like they have, and the future is like the past, 
then therefore this would be a safe number, right? And now we're starting to read in the, into the tea leaves. And so if you don't even know what the assumptions are behind the tea leaves that you're reading, you're then be before you know it, right, you're, who knows what you're building on. Interesting. Okay, so that's the 4% rule. Uh, I'm just going to ask it this way. What other rule is out there that most of our listeners, including me, don't know what is? So when we think about the 4% rule, right, another another way of phrasing that is you've probably heard, you know, uh, save 25 to 30 times your annual expenses, right? That you should have a, that your retirement number, that the amount that you should have saved should be 25 to 30 times what you spend in a year. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, 25 times, right? So if you took one and you divide by four, it becomes 25. Ah. Uh, yeah. So the 25 25 X rule, right? Of 25 years or 30 years is essentially saying the 4% rule, right? It's a mirror image of that, um, but it's for different reasons. Um, and that's kind of where people come up with this number of how much money should you have saved up for retirement? It's based on this 4% concept that if you somehow took out only 4% a year that you would be okay, right? And it's, you know, is it based on something? Well, let's talk about that. But that that is what it's based on. It's based on this idea that if you somehow only took 4% a year, you would never run out of money in retirement. And let's just, you know, between the two of us, let's be honest, right? Realistically speaking, there's a lot of people who may not even have that much money in savings. Right. They might not have 25 times their annual expenses saved. So are we telling all of these people that they can't retire? Right. And if we're telling these people that they can't retire, right, well, reality has a different outlook, right? Reality is, well, these people can't work anymore, or they they're not getting a job anymore, they get fired, right? Or they're forced into retirement. Mm -hmm. What now? Right. So there's this whole world of people who just, you know, they got to 65 or they got to 70 or whatever that year was, or they had an injury at work and it forced them to retire and they don't have 25 times their annual expenses saved. They don't have, a, you know, enough that they can take out 4% every year and be okay. So are we telling these people they're not safe, that they're going to run out of money in retirement? Um, and I think when we start diving into, you know, what where the 4% rule came from and you start looking into it, you might question and say, well, okay, maybe I don't actually need that much money saved in retirement. Maybe I could take out more than 4% and still be okay. So what do you tell your customers, the people who come to you looking for information? Do you, do you live by that 4% or the 25% rule, sir? I do not live by it. I think that as a rule of thumb, right, if you are, if you're trying to gauge whether you have enough money for retirement, I mm -hmm. think that that's like a good rule of thumb that we can say like, you know, yes or no. Like if we only took 4% out of our portfolio, out of our life savings, and that covered our expense needs in retirement, then we are doing awesome, right? Because I, we can definitely create a retirement plan around 4%. If you, if 4% is not enough, right? And you still have a shortfall, I don't think that you should at that point give up and say, well, I have to work longer or I have to cut my expenses. I think it just means you got to be a little more creative in how you structure your retirement, because that just means that this rule of thumb doesn't apply to you and you're going to need to use other factors to fund your retirement. 
Very interesting. That's Libel Sternbach we're talking with today on Libel on Fire. There was an article that was written not long ago, retirement spending, choosing a suitable withdrawal rate by three individuals, Philip Cooley, Carl Hubbard, and Daniel Waltz, and they nicknamed it the Trinity Study. Can you tell us the, the thrust behind it and why it's important to us? Yeah, so the Trinity study, which everyone kind of like looks to and calls, you know, the 4% rule or the Trinity, you know, the Trinity study, which was, you know, Trinity University, which is where these professors were, actually came on the backs of another study that was done by a retired financial advisor, uh, John Began, um, if I'm pronouncing his name right. Uh, and he's, you know, both them and the people who created that Trinity study have come out multiple times over the years, updating their rule. Um, but let's 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 take a look at the fundamentals, right? Both Bagan and the Trinity guys, right? What they looked at was they said, let's start with the question of how much how 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 can we structure a portfolio so that someone would not run out of retirement money during retirement, right? So that they would not deplete all of their savings by the time that they died. Mm-hmm. That was the question that they asked themselves, right? Now they said, okay, how are we going to structure this? They, this was, you know, 1998 was the first study that was done by the Trinity University, right? These guys. So they went back historically and they looked 1925 to 1995 and they looked at different periods of the stock market and the bond market. And then they looked at the returns and they were like, okay, what percentage could we take out of a portfolio over a 15-year period or 25-year period that if we took that percentage would consistently allow the person retiring to still have money when they died at the end of that 15 or 25-year period? Mm-hmm. Okay, now, I just want to point something out, right? It is a very admirable undertaking, right, that they look to the historical data, right, to see, okay, what does history tell us? But let's look at some of the assumptions of this study, okay? Assumption number one is that the past is going to look like the future, right? We Starting well, in so 19, right, <laughs> 1925 to 1995, right? Let's talk about all the changes that underwent the world, right? We're, we're talking about, you know, coming off of World War I, right? World War II, right? Um, we have we have Cold War, we have the space race, we have hyperinflation, right, of the 70s. We had the Soviet Union in 87, right, defaulting on so- their sovereign debt for the first time, collapse of the Soviet Union, right? And then we have the dot-com boom. So this was literally in the height of the dot-com boom was where the study ended, um, in the first study in 1995. During that period also, by the way, right, we went off the gold standard. So in 1925, a dollar was worth a dollar of gold. You can go and exchange that dollar bill for a dollar of physical gold that you can buy things with. By you know 1970, you couldn't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. And that completely, that's part of what drove inflation. And that completely changed economics. We had globalization. We have technology, right? The world did not look the same. The stock market did not look the same. 1925, you wanted to buy stocks, you literally went down to Wall Street but nowadays, right, you want to buy a stock, you go online on Robinhood and you can have that within a few seconds. So with that, we're talking about the 4% rule. What validity does it still have for us today, Libel? So I, I think that it still has a certain, I think the premise, the premise was, let's look at what the historical returns of the market were. 
and project, per, project that to the future, right? And we have to understand, right? We, we really have to recognize that finance, finance as a discipline, as an industry, as a skill set is very new. Right. Stock markets only came into existence in the 1700s. And for the most part, most of what we consider to be, you know, modern portfolio theory and what we base all of our decisions on came about in the last, you know, 50, 60 years. So the fact that, you know, the Trinity study came along and they said, hey, let's stop guessing at how much money someone should take out of their portfolio and let's do that based on facts and logic and historical you know, projections of the future. I think that that concept that you should that you should look to the past and then say, you know, based on what I can expect the future to look like, let's use some statistical analysis to say what we can take out. Right. I think that was the innovation that they did, that they introduced to the finance world. Like, hey, don't just guess at this. Do, you know, some analysis. Um, but beyond that, the numbers change. They literally change, you know, every few years because the stock market, depending on whether we're in a bear market or a bull market, will determine what the future expectations are for the return on the market. Now, over a long enough period, yeah, those numbers will kind of even out. But I, I mean, I think everyone will agree that the bond market has changed significantly from 1925 to 1995 or even to, you know, 2015 um, or 2022, right? Exactly. They, and, and what's going to happen in the future, right? It, it's not going to mimic what happened in the last 20 or 40 or 50 years. Um, and when you're retiring, what matters is the next five to 10 years, not the next, you know, 30 to 40 years. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We got to leave it right there. But if we'd like to get more information, I know that a great resource is yields4u.com, yields, the number four, the letter U. Com. Is there another paper or any other resource that you would recommend before we have to step away for a few seconds? Um, on the website, we've got that resources tab. We also have a whole bunch of classes that you can go through. Um, so the workshops on these specific topics where you can go through and get a more in-depth understanding of how it applies to your retirement. All right. He's Libel Sternbach. If you like more information, you can go to yields4u.com. You can click on the tab and it's just chock full of resources for you. We'll take a break and we'll be right back with more. Stay with us. Thanks for listening to this episode of Libel on Fire. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them on our Facebook group at libelonfire.com slash Facebook. And if you would like a free signed copy of Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Now back to Libel on Fire. Hi again, everybody. I'm Freddie Bell, and I'm with you today as we continue with Libel on Fire. And joining me, as always, is our good friend Libel Sternbach. Libel, we've been talking about the 4% rule as a way to level set for folks who may have missed a portion of our program. What is the 4% rule? So the 4% rule is this idea, this number that you could, in theory, take 4% out of your retirement savings every single year and not run out of money in retirement. You can consistently take that 4% and adjust it every year for inflation and you'd be good. It's 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 a nice theory, right? Um, and that is what it is. It's just a theory because things change so much. 
from 1925 to 2015 and even to now that it's uh, it's more of a structure for doing an analysis rather than a hard and fast rule. Is that correct? Yeah, that that is a really great way of looking at it. And what I would call it, right, think of it as more as an innovation in personal finance, right? The 4% rule was a milestone, a methodology of looking at retirement income and saying, how much can you realistically draw down every year without running out of money in retirement, understanding that the future will not look like the past. Interesting. We're talking with Libel Sternbach. So here's a question. It's a personal question, Libel, forgive me, but have you ever used the 4% rule when planning your retirement? So first of all, the further away you are from retirement, the more the 4% rule is a good rule of thumb. Ah. Uh, It's when you actually get to the point where you're like, well, I need to start taking money out of my account, right? I actually need to retire. Do I have enough money that the 4% rule becomes a, a problematic? Now, here's I do use the 4% rule in my planning, but I use it in the way of saying, uh, do you know, do we have a thumbs up of like we have enough money or do we need to do additional work to see do we actually have enough money to retire? Because if we have 4%, the way I look at it, right, the the stock market, when we look at the historical returns of just the S&P 500, so you're just invested in the top 500 companies in the United States, when we look at the historical return that that has had over the last 200 years, that has averaged 6.7% after inflation. So that means no matter whether inflation was like 10%, right? Or inflation was, you know, 1%, after inflation, statistically, that has returned an average of 6.7%. So if I only take 4% from that, that still leaves me with 2.7% to put towards next year's retirement and my future, right? So I'm still accumulating wealth over the long run. Probably end up hurting you as any financial planner will tell you. But as a rule of thumb, do you have enough or not? Or do we need to figure out how to cut expenses or increase our income? I think it's a good rule of thumb because worst case scenario, being 100% invested in the stock market, which everyone says not to do, right? But if you had to, you could be 100% invested in the stock market and you would be okay, right? So I see it as kind of a green light, red light thing of, are we are we safe to proceed with our retirement planning or do we have more work to do? Interesting. So the person that you're consulting with, the person who's coming to you has to have a real good investment in working with you in order to make this plan, even though it's not an exact plan to work out well for that individual who will eventually be retiring. Yeah, you need to have an investment of, you know, this is something that we want to do. And we look at and you need to know what your expenses are, right? Because if you don't know what your expenses are, then the 4% rule doesn't mean anything, Mm -hmm. right? Because you have have no idea how much money you even potentially need in retirement. Um, But yes, once once we give you that green light, red light, all it says is we got to continue planning. It just tells us are we planning to how to grow your money faster or reduce expenses? Or are we planning how do we actually transition into a taking income portion of retirement? So you got a baby boomer sitting in front of you and there's a lot of baby boomers in America right now. And they're saying, okay, in just X amount of years, maybe it's 10 years from now, maybe they're the younger baby boomer that, uh, and I, and Mr. Leibold Sternbach, I don't have 
25%. I know that my money is going to run out. I just did uh, yep. pulled out the Abacus and that's what it told me. Am I really in trouble? Can you help me? So you're not in trouble, right? I, I would say that right off the bat, right? Just because you're going to run out of money, just because it says you're going to run out of money doesn't mean you're going to run out of money, right? Because it is trying to project into the future. It's trying to look at a crystal ball. It's making assumptions that may not be accurate, right? So what we want to do, right, when it says, when it starts uh, flashing red lights, all that says is, one, we got to be super careful about the decisions we make because every decision that we make is going to have more of an impact on us than it will have on regular people, right? So that's number one. Number two, it means we probably will have to get creative like something that I didn't mention about the Trinity study is they found that that 4% went along with a portfolio that was 50% equities, 50% bonds, which right now anyone would tell you would be nuts. So the, you know, they, over time that changes and it's all based on, you know, how, what historical returns and what the projected future returns are. Mm-hmm. So we may need to take on more risk. Or we may need to say, you know, we need to prepay some of your expenses to bring those expenses down, right? There are things that you can do. All it does is it says where you need to focus your planning. It does not tell you whether you can retire or not. Everyone, we're talking with Libel Sternbach. He is the author of Authenticity. And so this is really, uh, use your term, we're really helping the retiree to live authentically they're really getting in close touch with what their expenses are, what their plans are, and then crafting something that is unique to them. How often do you see this person who doesn't have that uh, that 25% that they can work with or not, they're not even close? Can you help most people that you see? Yeah, and, and I will tell you on any given day, right? You know, I, I have had days where I have met with someone who had, you know, less than $100,000. And in that same afternoon, met with somebody who had, you know, millions, and they both have the same concerns. And the truth is, is that I'm more concerned for the person who has millions than the person who has less. <laughs> Why because is that? The, because the person who has millions is going to get hit with a whole lot of taxes. They're not going to get any kind of government assistance in anything. They also have a much higher living uh, lifestyle. So they actually need that money to maintain that lifestyle. And when you start telling them, well, you know, you can't afford it, right? That they don't know how to handle that because they've always been making, you know, two, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year in order mm-hmm. to accumulate that. Um, so they don't know what to do. On the other hand, right, the person who only has a hundred, hundred fifty thousand or whatever, right, doesn't have a lot of money in their bank account. They've been living frugally. They know how to live frugally. They know they don't have a lot of money, right? So they're more willing to seek out, you know, okay, how can I reduce my costs? What, you know, can I relocate to somewhere that's cheaper to live, right? I am, they're more okay going for government assistance programs. There's lots and lots of welfare programs out there if you do not have a lot of assets. Whereas you talk to someone who has a few hundred thousand in the bank and they feel like it's beneath them. Why is it beneath you? You're going to run out of money. You're going to be eating cat food while the person who has $50,000 in the bank is going to have a better lifestyle than you because they weren't afraid to tap into the tax dollars that they've been paying. Wow. That mindset is so interesting. So you're talking about different methodologies. Talk about other methods that a retiree can use to ensure that they have enough money during the retirement whether they're that one hundred to two hundred thousand dollar person or the million dollar person, 
So the number one thing, and I, I hope that this gets communicated, you know, through my writing, through the podcast, through the classes I teach, the number one thing that you have to do is reduce your losses in retirement. In retirement, your single job is to move the needle from the red and into the black, right? Doesn't matter how much your portfolio gains, what really matters is that you don't lose because especially in the early years, just prior to retirement and the first few years in retirement, those losses will have an outsized impact on your retirement lifestyle. And those losses, doesn't matter if it's from the market, doesn't matter whether it's overpaying in taxes, doesn't matter whether it's paying retail when you could have paid wholesale, right? You, you know how much toilet paper you use. You can go to Costco and you can buy that in bulk and save yourself, right? Now, if you got millions, that hundred dollars probably isn't going to help you. But if you only got, you know, 50,000 in the bank or a hundred thousand or whatever, right? That hundred dollars times 25 years, that can actually make a difference. That can be yeah. the difference between eating out or not, between being able to take an extra trip, right? Buying a gift for your grandkids. Um, and we got to look for all of those things because um, whether they're small or big, right? That's going to depend on each of us and our lifestyles, but we need to look for the things that we uh, can avoid uh, those losses in our portfolio, right? The, whatever we can, it doesn't matter where it's coming from. And it doesn't matter whether it's inflation, right? And the other thing is unexpected expenses, right? That's another another expense that people kind of like we're blind to because it doesn't happen regularly, but making sure you have adequate insurance so that if a tree falls on your house or you know some kid is learning to drive and drives through your living room, Oh that you're my. covered for that, right? These things happen. They don't happen often. Mm -hmm. The chance of it happening in your lifetime may not be very high, but if it does happen, will it wipe out your savings, right? Because that's what ends up happening to a lot of people. Wipes out your savings, and then you end up on the GoFundMe pages, and you, you know, um, you know, collect in the collection plates, and you know, um, wow. uh, at church and whatever, because you didn't have the resources. You could have paid ten dollars more on your, you know property insurance to be protect against it, but it wasn't on your mind. You're speaking to it and we're just about out of time. What do you think the one biggest mistake that most people make when it comes to planning for their own retirement? The number one mistake for planning for retirement is looking at all these rules and putting yourself in a box, right? You do your best, you save as much as you can, and then you figure out how to make it work, which number one, right? Minimizing your losses. But then number two, try to figure out how to create the lifestyle with the money that you have, because it is possible. It is very possible. You just, the question is how creative do you need to get? Interesting. So our listeners, I know we're listening with bated breath, especially the baby boomers, those who are closer to retirement than not. Do you have some resources that you can share with us to get more information about the 4% rule and the kind of planning that needs to take place right now? Yeah. So on my website, if you search 4% rule, you'll see I've got a bunch of articles on that, uh, as well as for retirement planning um, on your resources. I've got a bunch of guides. I've also got a course, um, a workshop that I just came out with called The Simple Path to a Golden Retirement, where I walk you through, you know, it's a high level workshop of step by step. These are the decisions that you need to make. You know, how much, how do you determine how much money you need in retirement, you know, social security, taxes, but I need to focus on, or I'm actually good to, you know, probably retire. Let me actually engage with a financial advisor or the planning process um, to actually transition into retirement. 
Very good. What is the website for our listeners? Yields4u.com. That's yields, the number four, the letter u.com. And he's a wonderful author. Pick up the book, do yourself a favor, Living with Financial Anxiety. And you created it a little bit for me today here at Libel. And the other book is entitled Authenticity. You're listening to Libel on Fire. Please join us again next time. That's all the time we have for this episode of Libel on Fire, the financial independence and retirement show dedicated to helping you build the life of your dreams. If you have questions about today's topic, please submit them in our Facebook group at libelonfire.com slash Facebook. And if you would like a free copy of Libel's books, Living with Financial Anxiety and Authenticity, visit libelonfire.com. Thanks for listening. Koppel Advisory Solutions is an SEC-registered investment advisor and only transacts business in states where the firm is properly registered or is excluded or exempted from registration requirements. Registration as an investment advisor is not an endorsement of the firm by securities regulators and does not mean that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. All investment strategies can result in profit or loss. Information presented on this program is believed to be factual and up-to-date, but we do not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Discussion should not be construed as any offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell the investments mentioned. Annuity guarantees are subject to the claims paying ability of the issuing insurance company. Content should not be viewed as legal or tax advice. Always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation.